Well, if you have your Bible with you this morning, I would I would invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We are concluding the chapter this morning as we consider this wonderful text of Scripture. Our focus text will be verses 26 through 31. Before we hear the reading and preaching of God's word, join me again together in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we know that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Oh Lord, we thank you that we can now consider it this morning together. We pray for your Spirit's work in and amongst us, that we would be encouraged, that we would be uplifted by the very truths of your word in these verses. Oh Lord, be at work in us, your people, we pray. Send much grace to us. Open our eyes, open our understanding, that we may praise you all the more and more. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Hear now the very word of God written for you and for me today. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, and may God add his blessing to the reading of his word to us. Well, beloved, when those around you, when the world sees the good news of Christ as foolishness, what is the Christian to do? What are we to do? The Apostle Paul told Corinth that Christians should be aware of what is true of the lens of how the world looks at and how they hear the gospel. He also told them about how he heard that some of the Greek way of viewing things had crept into the church how it had crept into their minds and how they had begun to want to hear and to think about such things in such ways. Paul knew that for the Jews, the message of Jesus Christ and, and him crucified was a stumbling block and scandalous to them. He knew that the Greeks, in, in all of their desire and search for wisdom and, and man-centered reason to gain power and exaltation in the world, the, the idea of a crucified king was folly as they looked for worldly power and strength and sophistication. And yet with this knowledge, what would Paul do regarding the glorious message of Christ? Would he change and tailor its content? Would he 
flower, how he delivered it? Would he in his best skill in and of himself speak using the words and wisdom of men? No, absolutely not. Paul would keep preaching and proclaiming that wonderful message in its purity and truth. For Paul knew a crucial and essential truth, didn't he? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For we are to God, beloved, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death unto death. And to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. The gospel of Jesus Christ, my friends, is the power of God unto salvation for all those who believe. This is the correct lens to see the gospel through. This is the lens that Paul, by the grace and work of God, sought to recalibrate the Corinthian sight to and to help them shed the Greek worldly wisdom that was truly foolish. And embrace, yet again, the godly wisdom and power of the message of the cross. For to those who are effectually called by God, the, the blinders and the scales are removed from our eyes and our hearts. We see and we embrace Christ for who he truly is. We see that Jesus truly is the power and the wisdom of God. And I pray that God, through the preaching of the word in your ears, has also opened your understanding to better know and to embrace Christ and his truth. And so Paul spends time to seek more to help the saints, both in Corinth and to us today, to better understand our calling, his sovereign choice, and in whom our glory truly is. Let's consider Paul's call for us to see our calling in verse 26. The things that God has chosen in verses 27 and 28, and the call for us to glory in the Lord in verses 29 through 31. Look at verse 26 with me there. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. My friends, Paul highlights and spotlights important aspects and truth of our calling so that we would be stirred up and, and better see and wonder at the beauty of God's divine purpose and wisdom. And in doing so, he sets worldly status and standards before us in contrast. If God was to consult the Greeks, if, if God were to go along with the world's handbook and design ideas in planting and building the church, he would call people to fill and lead the church who were seasoned philosophers, experts in the world's wisdom. It would be filled with the strong, the rich, the powerful, according to their status and standing in the world. For that's what they would want. That's what they would expect. If that was the way he did it, the world would be glad, wouldn't they? They would clap and they would applaud. They would throw their money and support behind such congregations. But wait, sadly... That is what many churches today have become in their own design. They're no different from the world, and the world likes them for that. 
The words and the wisdom of men thrive in their midst and, and flow from their pulpits, though it should never be. But Paul's point is, that is exactly how God didn't call the saints of his church. That's exactly what he didn't do. Again, the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God is in view here. Divine wisdom is pure and good. And God, through Paul, beats down their pride here as well. For God's effectual call to his people isn't based on status or standing in society, but rather on his free, perfect, sovereign choice. Few who had distinguished character were chosen for the work of the ministry, Paul explained. God did not choose philosophers or men of wealth and power in the world to preach and proclaim the gospel of grace and peace. Nor did he choose wise men according to the flesh, even though many may think that a reputation would have contributed much to the success of the gospel. God didn't call the mighty and powerful either, though many might think that secular pomp and power would make way for the gospel to be better received in the world. That's not what God did. What is true is we see our calling. Note Paul's words there. See your calling, brother. And what is true is we see our calling. We better see that our salvation doesn't rest and depend on the values of the world. There were undoubtedly some in the Corinthian church, even many in the church today, who were rightly admired for the gifts God had given them and ability, etc. However, none of them could rightly claim that God chose them because of any good qualities in them. Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 10, uh, section 1, helps us here in understanding God's effectual call. All those whom God hath predestinated unto life, and those only, he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time, effectually to call by his word and spirit, out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God. And what is true about how God called us? The confession helps us in kind of giving us a brief summary and definition of what that effectual call looks like. What is true about how God called us? Consider Paul's words to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.9 as he speaks of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And considering that, therefore, seeing our calling. Seeing that it is a holy calling. Seeing that it was in Christ before time began. Seeing that it was by his own purpose and grace. We must walk worthy of it, as Paul exhorted the saints in Ephesus. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, when he said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness. With long suffering." Bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
And is this not one of the main messages that Paul is communicating to Corinth as he smashes pride and as he points them to humility? Importantly, we believers do well to see and to look at our calling because it magnifies God's grace in saving sinners. It magnifies God's grace in saving sinners. It doesn't magnify us, although that's what the Greeks wanted in Corinth. They wanted to be exalted for their knowledge, their wisdom. No, no, no. God is magnified for his grace in this calling and the salvation that he gives to sinners. And so if God doesn't call many wise or strong or mighty, who did he choose? Who does he call? Similar to the foolishness of the message that we've considered in the context of this passage, Paul goes on to say in verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not bring them to nothing the things that are. Now there are a couple of important things to see here. We could spend a lot of time on these two verses. But consider the two things. One, the conversion of the Gentiles was to open a way to abolishing what the Jews were so fond of in their way of thinking. For in their minds, the Gentiles were lesser than. The things that they valued themselves so much and despised the rest of the world. But secondly, see here. That God has chosen a foolish message. God has chosen foolish people to be his own and to work in and through us for his holy and wonderful purposes. He has chosen the weak instead of the strong. Again, the Corinthians would expect the strong. Ah, uh, no. He chose fishermen to come and proclaim the gospel. He shows them the weak instead of the strong. A few fishermen were called out and sent to preach that gospel initially. And God in his infinite wisdom is also pleased to work through weak, humble people. Those who have little value and strength in the eyes of the world. And though the weak are despised and considered foolish, my friends, never forget that we, that you, are chosen by God. You didn't just stumble into this calling. You didn't just stumble into the Christian life. You were chosen by God. We see. We, we perceive the truth. We, we see and we believe in Jesus and the gospel. Though the wise and the mighty mock it. We see. Eyes wide open. And becoming wider open and, and deeper in our understanding by the Spirit's work in us through His Word. Praise the Lord. Let that be a great comfort to you this morning. We are highly valued as we are the recipients of grace and mercy called by Christ 
and are being used by him for his purposes and glory. But why did God make this choice? Well, he wonderfully tells us, doesn't he? Why did God make this choice? Paul says, God fitted the gospel to smash pride and vanity and to put to shame the wise and the mighty. As Paul is reframing the Corinthians thinking about true wisdom, he hits hard here to purge the wisdom of the world out of their thinking by making things crystal clear as to what the true gospel is and what the true wisdom and purposes of God are here. The truth and reality aren't the way that the world sees them, beloved. And so when we're reading the blogs, when we're reading the newspapers, when we're listening to the radio and, and a lot of things are going into our ear holes, remember, truth and reality ultimately are not the way that the world sees them. We need to grasp this today. The world is pressing you to think otherwise. And sometimes, just like the saints in Corinth, they're pretty persuasive and convincing, aren't they? For the Greek wise men were confounded and driven to shame when they saw they could do nothing with their wisdom and sophistication in comparison to the apostles, who they called idiots. They're just the unlearned. You don't, you don't need to listen to them. I mean, look at our status. Look at what we know. He believes this? He knows nothing. That's what they said. But they were so wrong. He had Christ. He had everything. And that's what he was communicating to Corinth, that they would be recalibrated into seeing Christ. There is an excellent reason for God to counter and correct and purge his people of the fleshly thinking of the world. We have no legitimate cause or reason for boasting in ourselves, period. None. Though we often want to. See what he says in 29. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Beloved, Paul gave Abraham as an example of one who was justified by faith in Romans 4, 1 through 3. And we read there, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Note that. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Beloved, Abraham had nothing to boast about before God. His salvation was all God's work. He was justified by his faith. There was a lot of self-exaltation and boasting within the Corinthian church. It's very true. And it was encouraged and influenced by the exalting of self in the community. 
And yet God had the foolish message preached by weak men and brought the wise and mighty to shame and their wisdom to nothing so that their self-glorying would come to an end. That's what Paul shows us here. For the gospel, the message of the cross, exalts the glory of God alone and none other. Look at verse 30. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. God the Father unites us to Christ by his call, beloved. Remember verse 24 in the context, previous. Who is Christ to both Jews and Gentiles who are called? He is the wisdom and power of God. And Paul wonderfully teaches us that Jesus became four things for us. See this in verse 30. He became wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Beloved, we are foolish with all of our boasting and prideful knowledge, and he became wisdom from above for us. We, we are guilty, and he became righteousness for us that we would be right with God. We are depraved and corrupt. And Jesus has made sanctification the spring of our spiritual life. He gives us all that we need to be holy before him in this life. We were in bonds, and he was made redemption for us as our Savior and Deliverer. The glorious message of the cross is, is detailed and encapsulated here once again. Christ is who we are to boast in. For this is what he has become and made to become for us. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is our wisdom. He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. <coughs> now some of you may be thinking, now I'm the way faster. I mean, did Paul just rebuke the Corinthians for boasting? In Paul's rebuke, he wasn't rebuking them for boasting or glorying in general. He rebuked them for glorying in the wrong thing. For in verse 31, Paul says that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Get the flesh out of the way. Smash the pride. Get the wisdom purged from your mind. See Christ afresh today in his person and salvation. Embrace the message of the cross. Truly, soli deo gloria must be our ongoing cry. Christ and his precious work is the sole reason as to why we glory. We glory in the Lord. Soli deo gloria to God alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'll leave you with this. Considering the pressing work of the devil in the world to keep your eyes, your thoughts, and your focus on yourself and on the, the things of the world and the wisdom of it. Like the Corinthians needed to do, look and see your calling from God afresh today. Have you been stirred up to better see the wonder and beauty of God's divine purpose 
and wisdom in this passage. See how your calling magnifies God's grace in saving sinners and praise Him for it. Praise Him for it each and every day. But also do you boast in God's saving grace and work and sending His Son to the cross to save you from your sins? Or do you boast in your own gifts and power? Would you fit in well with the wise and quiet? Do you boast in your own knowledge and wisdom? And if, and if you are boasting about the wrong things, repent and take your eyes off of yourself. Put your pride to death. Purge it out by the grace of God. And put them on Christ. For he is pleased to use us. He is pleased to use you, weak, frail, foolish people as we are, as instruments and proclaimers of his grace and salvation. And take the glorious scene that God has given us home with you today in this passage. Man is humble. God is glorified. Man is humbled. God is glorified. Man is brought low in his own esteem. And Christ is exalted and lifted on high. Truly, Soli Deo Gloria. All glory to God alone. Amen. Praise God for his word. Let's pray.